What is going on, wellness gang? Welcome back to Embodied Wellness Radio, a podcast framed around making women healthy again. And I am super stoked for today's show. Den will hit you with the intro, but it is definitely something arguably every single person can benefit from, and especially where I am right now. So I am so excited to get into it. What is up, gang? Today's podcast is all about the nervous system and nervous system dysregulation. An episode that Sarah and I are sneakily going to be both using as a private consultation session and framing it as a podcast so that our guests don't realize we're both using it as a way to also fix our shit. So (laughs) today's guests are Rachel, Mark, and Meg Aris from Radiant Effect. Rachel is a registered acupuncturist and integrative health coach living in Victoria with over 20 years of schooling across multiple fields and more degrees than I thought was even possible in a lifetime. Her partner, Meg, is a movement educator and a health coach who was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease as a child who, combined with her education and personal health journey, has given her tools to also help so many others on their healing journey as well. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, we're super excited to have them on today and nervous system regulation and dysregulation is something that we, of course, talk a lot with our clients about and our understanding is pretty baseline, pretty baseline. So it will be really nice to dive a little bit deeper into it. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, as I said, I think everybody can benefit from this information, but especially if you're on a healing journey of, you know, autoimmunity, digestive issues, hormone issues, like just feeling kind of off or, or off in your life, all of this really can boil down to and be supported a lot by the nervous system. So if you think you don't need this podcast, you probably need it a little extra. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess my first question would be, if you've never heard of it before, what is nervous system regulation and how can the nervous system become dysregulated? Yeah, great question. And I think maybe to answer that, it can be really helpful to take a step back first and to think about what is the nervous system? And I think a lot of times when people you know, consider the nervous system or hear about it, they think about neurological conditions. That tends to be what we hear about most often. So things like stroke or MS, and those are certainly dysfunctions within the nervous system, but our nervous system is much more broad than that. And, you know, we like to talk about the nervous system as being a web, sort of a a web or um, highways of communication that move through and connect all parts of our body. So it's our brain and our spinal cord, but taking in information from the outside for us to process, um, sending signals from our brain down to essentially every cell within our body. So nervous system dysregulation can come from far more than neurological conditions. And that's something that we just want to keep in mind when we're having this conversation about, about nervous system health. Mm -hmm. And so maybe just to give a little bit more context too, like there's different divisions of the nervous system, right? So I know a lot of people have heard of like fight or flight, rest and digest. So maybe you could give us a little bit of context into like just that kind of side of things and why it's important to have this discussion so that people understand that you can't really be in both at the same time. So when we're talking about nervous system regulation, it's really important to be able to kind of recognize some of the signs and symptoms of each and be able to kind of place yourself where you are and support yourself accordingly. So what is the parasympathetic and what is the sympathetic nervous system? Mm -hmm. So the parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest, as you mentioned, response in the body 
part of our nervous system that kicks on to help bring us back to a state of regulation and calm. It's also the place where we can um, uh, easily digest our food from, where we can uh, be at ease in our bodies, where we can um, be social with other people. We require a little bit of that parasympathetic kick to happen in that space. Whereas our sympathetic nervous system is that fight flight response. So this is, um, it, it's our activation, it's our get up and go. Um, and it is also our place where we are having to, um, our, our stress response will come on and we are dealing with uh, automatic reactions in our body that um, like our heart rate, our uh, pupils dilating, these types of things that start to kick in when we're in overdrive. Yeah. Mm. So many people probably live in like that chronic state of overdrive. So aside from, let's say like, you know, the obvious ones where if somebody was to try to break into our door right now, my I would be pretty aware that my nervous system was high on high alert. They'd also be mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that I've been practicing my MMA and jujitsu. So yeah, they chose actually, the wrong the people corner. to mess She'd with. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless, um, what are some other signs? Like we talked about, you know, digestion that could be signs that people are maybe in a more chronic state of nervous system dysregulation that aren't as like obvious or in your face. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing that's really important to remember is that stress is not a bad thing. Stress is a response that has been developed um, and continued um, as we uh, continue as a species. Um, And the only reason that we are continuing um, from an evolutionary perspective is because we have a stress response. Um, So, you know, if we think back thousands of years ago, the threats that people were experiencing were quite different than what we're experiencing now, right? So it was like, feast, famine, um, other people who were threats to survival, animals. We always see the example of like the fight or flight system and it's the the tiger in the woods that's coming to get you kind of thing. Um, And for most people, those are not the threats that we're experiencing now. So we think about um, threats to uh, or activation within our sympathetic nervous system now. And those are going to be um, things like uh, having multiple obligations within our home, within our families. Um, it's that overwhelming to-do list that so many of us are carrying around. Um, it is a lack of sleep for a lot of people. Um, it's the contaminants within our environments and in our personal care products that our body is having to um figure out what to do with and process and same within the foods that we eat, which, you know, food is being processed in a different way. And so there are a lot more chemicals in there. Um, It's also a a normal response to activities like exercise. Uh, It's a normal response for emotions when we get excited or we get angry. These are not bad emotions, not bad to be angry, but we have to figure out a way to process it. And when we're getting continual, you know, dings on our phones and we're using products that have harmful ingredients in them and the the to-do list is on and on, um, we don't have that natural ebb and flow in our stress response. And so we end up being in that fight or flight system or activated far more than, you know, 
thousands of years ago. And that's where we start to experience that dysfunction within the body. And so Sarah, you mentioned, you know, digestive issues that can show up a lot. Um, body pain, headaches, um, getting more uh, frequent colds or illnesses, or if you get an injury or even like a scratch, it, it doesn't heal as well or as quickly. Um, it can be uh, changes to uh, menstrual cycles for women. Um, there's a lot of systemic changes that can happen in the body as a result of that increased um, elevated uh, cortisol level. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously a lot of the problems that, you know, we work with clients with. And a lot of it does really boil down to at some point there was a big stressor or you've been living in this stressor. And then cortisol is, again, like a good adaptive hormone when we have it in a right amount, but it's also catabolic, which means it breaks your body down. So really, if we think of, you know, all of these issues like digestive issues, changes to your menstrual cycle, uh, inability to maybe lose weight or you're losing muscle mass, this is quite literally your body is breaking down. You're in a catabolic state and there's not that natural ebb and flow. And the other thing that's, you know, really important to discuss is that a lot of the times, because there's not a natural ebb and flow, you as a human and your body start to take that, you know, chronically elevated, stressed out state, and that becomes normal to you. And you might not even realize that you're in that state. And like, this is speaking from personal experiences, like Mm -hmm. I literally had slash still deal with like an inability to relax. I was like, oh, I'm going to take a bath. And, you know, Dan made me (laughs) a bath and I was like, I'm not going in the bath. I don't want to take a bath anymore when it came down to it. And I was like, girl, get your ass in the bath. What's wrong with you? But it's like an inability to relax because it is like, you know, so many things to do. And at some point, you know, when we're in those first stages of this dig, this uh, dysregulation or like adrenal dysregulation, people feel really good. I'm on top of the world. I've got all this adrenaline and cortisol. I can handle all the things. I'm a boss, babe. What else you got for me? Like I'm doing all the things and it, it becomes addicting. And then over time we start to see like, your body does start to break down and the stuff that you could handle before you can no longer handle. And that's a big trigger of, you know, autoimmune conditions as your body doesn't even know what's what anymore. (laughs) Right. And like Mm -hmm. a lot of this really does boil down to stress and it's so important to look at that. And I feel like, you know, the way or the society we're indoctrinated into is people want like solutions for, Oh, I have digestive issues. Tell me what to take and I'll take it. Tell me what to eat and I'll eat it. But it's like, if you don't deal with, the nervous system dysregulation and all of the other like chronic state of just overwhelm your body is in, you can't out diet and you cannot out supplement that. Like everybody wants adrenal supplements. Oh, I'm taking this, this kind of adaptogen. And it's like, you cannot out supplement a dysregulated nervous system. So it's really important to, you know, recognize that a lot of these uh, physiological ailments that we have, or a lot of these issues and symptoms that we have really, when you boil down to come under the umbrella of like stress and nervous system dysregulation. Mm-hmm. I had the, an analogy that one of my teachers gave to to me to think about how we can work with our stress and all of the stress that we have. And uh, we use this a lot to, to help um, illuminate it for our, our students that we work with. And it's the analogy of uh, a swimming pool. And like the, the swimming pool is our 
capacity to handle stress. And if you take that swimming pool and you fill it full of all of these little stress balls and the balls can be different shapes. Some of them are big, huge balls. Some of them are little. And the more stress we put in, the more those balls kind of are bumping up against each other inside the pool. They're jiggling against each other. And at a certain point, the swimming pool is full. We're at capacity and there's no more room for those balls to come in. So there's two things that we can do in that case. One is we remove some of the balls to get the stress out. Two is we build a bigger swimming pool. And that's really what working at the nervous system level is about, is building that bigger swimming pool or building more capacity to manage the things that are coming in. It was a big topic that I talked about on the last podcast, which was five things, five reasons that you're not losing fat, right? And stress Mm -hmm. seems to come up on every single episode that we do for any sort of contextual health issue, but specifically on this issue of re-regulating your nervous system, based on a few things that you said before, it sounds to me like obviously stress, whether that is physical, mental, or oxidative, like in our products, like you you mentioned before, um, what are some of the things that we can start doing to re-regulate our nervous system? Yeah, this is a great question. Well, there's kind of like the number one thing that you can do in the moment is to connect to your breath. This is the most simple, basic tool that we have to help work with our autonomic nervous system. It bridges that gap between what we can cognitively control and what is innate within us. When we work with the breath, what that looks like is practicing um, taking a longer exhale than our inhale. So in a, in a heightened moment, that emphasis on elongating the exhale starts to cue in that parasympathetic response within our nervous system that starts to tell us that we're okay. So that's kind of like a ground level first thing to do. Yeah. Um, the next thing is move your body. Like if you are in a state of stress, moving our body, and it doesn't necessarily matter how you do that, but moving it will help to move us through those states. So that might mean in some cases that we need a big blast of energy to move. It might mean something more calm and gentle, and that takes a little bit of finessing to figure out which phase that is that actually helps us to do that. Um, there's so many things that we can speak to, I think, in how well, do we just even that right there. I mean, you're talking yeah. about number one, we as humans do two functional things. We breathe and we walk. Most people don't do those properly in the first place. Most people don't understand proper breathing techniques. Uh, most people actually don't even breathe normally and it causes stress in their body and not only their body, like as far as mentally and, and oxygen to the brain and many other things, but even uh, just the way that their spine sits, the way their thoracic um their chest cavity sits over their over their pelvis that causes so many issues in the first place so i actually would love to eventually get on somebody who like uh uh, uh, James Nestor, who wrote breath, someone like him to come on to just, just only talk about that one topic. And what was number two? Number two is movement. Move your body. Yeah. And something that, that I find really cool, um, mm-hmm. that you see animals do a lot. And I've noticed this in like two specific instances where I was like in an acute kind of like alert emergency situation is if you ever watch dogs and they get in the fight, the first thing they do when they step away is they shake their body. And that's like removing, um, trauma from your nervous system, essentially. 
And one time I was not too long ago in like a pretty intense situation, like medical situation. And after my body was just shaking and convulsing and I was like, whoa, and my dad is a trauma counselor. So I called him. I was like, I was shaking in my boots. And he was like, yeah, good. Like that's your body removing it. And it's interesting how, you know, our nervous system knows to move and you even see it in animals too. And if we bring that onto like a smaller, more intentional scale, it is so true. Like movement helps to move this energy out of our body and get some of that like flowing so that we're not keeping it all in. Same thing with exhale breaths. My Ayurveda teacher, when I was studying a Pacific Rim, she's like, notice how in clinic, when you have somebody who comes in, who tells you like pretty intense situation is that you all do this and nobody breathes out. We just hold in all of that energy. And so letting things just like move out of your body is a great way to kind of what does uh, Justin say? Clean your vessel. <laughs> yeah, clean your vessel. We, there, these are a few topics that we spoke about on one of the past uh, past shows. And a few people were like, sounds a little woo to me. Well, here you go. All right. So before we get into some more techniques that can be really great for nervous system regulation, just wanted to do a little bit of a recap of some important uh, points that we've made today. So we talked about, you know, there's obviously acute stressors that can cause your nervous system to be dysregulated. So that's like somebody climbs in through the window, you know, if you're famine or if you have an acute emergency situation, these can all cause nervous system dysregulations. However, we also made note of, you know, a couple nervous system or a few more than a couple nervous system dysregulations that could be considered more like chronic day-to-day stressors. So as Rachel said, you know, having a big to-do list, we can see some physiological stressors and all of these things that are more so like life stressors, even eating foods your body doesn't agree with, you know, under eating, over exercising, under sleeping, like all of these can cause nervous system dysregulations. And I think that it's important to note that You know, we talked about exercise and movement as a way to move energy out of your body, but on the same side, like too much of a good thing can also not be very great. So these are important things to note. I have definitely been there when I was teaching fitness classes was my full-time job. That's actually what threw my body severely out of balance and caused a lot of my hormone issues and Um, that I believe that that's what caused my prediabetes as well. So we also need to, you know, consider the dose and understand that that's really important. And so a lot of these people who are under a lot of stress, and again, like speaking from experience or, you know, colleagues who have also been in the fitness industry is like, they're doing a lot of exercise and they're like, yeah, that's my de-stress, but it's probably causing your physical body to be under too much stress. And so like, um, you know, like Meg said, it doesn't have to be like intense movement, For me, it was like walking is probably a much better form of exercise than going in and doing high intensity activity. And so when we consider this idea of stress, we always need to look at it in the context, of course, of the person and ask yourself, like, if I was going to ask myself the question, how can I take as much stress off of my body right now as possible? For some people, things like, you know, overexercising might be first or for other people, things like swapping out your products might be a little bit further down the list. So we always give, you know, a lot of examples examples, but you also don't want to stress yourself out and overwhelm yourself with trying to make all of these changes where I see this in my practice a lot is like people are under so much stress and then they're stressing about the fact they're stressed. They're like, well, I just need to get my stress down. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Or they're like, should I be worrying about this? I'm like, no, we shouldn't be worrying. <laughs> like we're going to, they're essentially trying to find things to stress more about and to worry about. So also understanding that, you know, if your nervous system is di- dysregulated, it probably is like a slow methodical um, journey of getting you back to balance, which we'll talk a little bit more about at the end. So important to recognize that, you know, nervous system dysregulations are more than just 
uh, psychological stress and they can stem into like uh, these other issues that we talked about. And you know, it's actually well. a really good point you made there about fitness people often using fitness as a way to de-stress. But like we talked about earlier about us creating new set points for what our re-regulations are to stress and how our bodies kind of keep pushing it up. Because as we've talked about before, we are homeostasis machines. We always find new levels of homeostasis. And oftentimes, even like in such in Sarah's situation where she was so active for four to six plus hours a day that anything less than that takes her body out of that stress regulation. Therefore, body then starts to heal and that healing journey might make you feel like shit but your body actually needs that but you don't think that feels normal because you're not used to that normal you've created a new normal so oftentimes i really think that people who fitness industry uh health industry but maybe they do a lot of activities they do need to be aware of that as well is that maybe the reason that it does make you feel good is because you had allowed yourself to heal for a quick second but then that didn't feel good. So you got back up to that regular stress set point. And that's just a, a big thing for a lot of people to know. I also believe that, well, personally speaking, when I stopped teaching, I like when the pandemic hit, I slept for almost a month straight. She and I was like, wow, <laughs> I was not doing as well as I thought I was. And this idea of like feeling good, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, it makes me feel so good. I'm like, does it? Or is it like the this outcome that you're looking for? Like, oh, when I exercise a lot, I feel like I look a certain way and then I feel good about the way that I look. But it's not the exercise that's making you feel good. So we also need to like take back to, you know, sometimes what we are saying is de-stressing us is actually just keeping our psychological stress about another issue at bay and isn't necessarily supporting our nervous system. So I think that that's a really important distinction to make as well. And just recognizing, you know, like, how how much of my mental space is taken up by thinking about this thing? That's a good question I come back to. Because if ultimately, like, you know, exercise is a de-stressor, but all day I'm thinking about how I'm going to get my activity in, what I'm going to work out, da-da-da, now I'm probably creating more stress in a different way that I don't recognize as a stressful. So, Rachel and Meg, I've once heard you say before that embodiment is an important facet of regulation. Tell us why. So maybe I'll, I'll start with that, but before I do, I want to just maybe if I can circle back to something that you just said, Sarah, um, you know, I think with that idea of de-stressing and healing from that, there's also a huge amount of mindset work that has to be done because what we often find is that when people start to take things off their plate to recognize, okay, like there are too many balls in the pool, um, and I need to start to take some out when we're accustomed to doing so much and you know we see ourselves as being really productive and getting things done all the time when we start to do less and maybe we're resting we're taking more downtime for a lot of people there can be judgments of themselves around that they can start to say like i feel lazy i'm not contributing i'm not helping my family i'm not showing up at work the way that i'm used to or people expect of me um, there's a lot of self-worth that's often tied into that idea of doing more and sort of pushing ourselves to the limit and so that can also take it can be a real process to heal that aspect of it um, and we have to get through that piece before we can really start to move into the physical component of it. Um, otherwise, we're just going to be fighting that um, that process for ourselves of healing. So I think that's also a really important thing to recognize that, you know, if you think about 
how would I take things off my plate or what would I even do all day if I did that? Um, there's, there's work to be done in that. And also you're not alone. That's really common response to this idea of, of needing to, to take balls out of the pool to de-stress. Such an important point. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody who is in that situation? Like, I know I've been there where it's like, I know I can't keep doing what I'm doing, but I also don't know like what the bridge is in between where I want to be. And it feels really uncomfortable. So, and a lot of, you know, women can definitely relate to that. Moms, you got a job, like you're productive all the time and it is stressful to stop being so productive in the meantime. It feels very uncomfortable. And I always say discomfort doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. Discomfort is a sign that you're doing something that's maybe new to you or that doesn't feel comfortable. And it doesn't mean that it's not right or it's not for you or it's not the right step. It is often a necessary part of big change is that discomfort. And so leaning into that and, you know, having some tools can be really helpful to kind of bridge the gap between where you are and, you know, you can't sustain and where you want to be. So what, what would you usually tell your clients who are going through something like that? Yeah, I I think one thing is to really step back from that, that all or nothing mentality or that it's black or white, that to recognize that there are many shades of gray and that we can't we're not meant to show up at a hundred percent in every aspect of our life all the time so part of it might be looking at you know what are the ways that you show up what are the skills that you bring and the strengths that you bring in all of those aspects and recognizing that those strengths can shine through without doing it all right um so really working through sort of the deeper layer perhaps of, you know, the, the laziness, feeling lazy or feeling like you're not contributing, but what is the deeper layer of what those strengths are that you bring and those gifts that you bring. And also to recognize that we can't continue to bring those gifts and those strengths to the people around us. If we're not taking care of ourselves first, like I know it's so cliche that the idea of like, you can't pour from an empty cup and those types of sayings around self-care, but it's really true. You know, like our bodies will give out at some point, at some point, you know, if we're not listening to the little whispers that, that keep coming up, our body will yell and that will show up as you know, a breakdown that will show up as a, a diagnosis um, that can show up in so many ways where then you have to step back like a hundred percent and that transition is even harder. So we have to try to find this way, this gray, which as you said, is really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think brings us back to that question around why is embodiment so important? Because if we, if we actually look at the nervous system, cranial nerve 10 is the vagus nerve. And this vagus nerve is actually different than most nerves in our body in that it brings information from the body to the brain primarily. And so when we can actually tune into what it is that our body is whispering, then it actually gives us that uh, opportunity to be in choice around what it is that we need to do to look after ourselves. It's that uh, lack of listening that is really what gets us into trouble because a lot of the time the body is telling us it's okay to slow down. I'd like you to slow down. We need to rest here. Or sometimes it's saying it's time to access a little more energy. Let's get up and go. And we ignore it and keep staring at the computer and typing away when really we need to go and move, right? 
So it, again, that idea of coming back to what is what am I actually being told from the inside out? That takes some time to actually uh, develop that skill to learn to listen. But when it does uh, start to come, it's extremely powerful for healing. Hey, wellness gang, we'll get right back to the show, but I just wanted to interrupt really quickly to drop a quick knowledge bomb on you. You know the old saying, you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone? Well, if you've ever had your health wobble or slip, you certainly know the feeling. But I'll let you in on a little secret. There's a mineral that our body needs, a mineral that an estimated 80% of people are deficient in, and without it, our body can be thrown out of whack real quickly. And that mineral is magnesium. Magnesium helps with so many things. Number one, magnesium boosts energy right at a cellular level. It activates ATP in our body to help create energy. Magnesium also helps to benefit digestion by relaxing the muscles in our digestive tract. Magnesium relieves muscle spasms. It helps relieve PMS symptoms. It prevents migraines, prevents osteoporosis, supports brain health. And this is a big one, and especially for me, this is a very important one. Magnesium helps to relieve anxiety. A 2010 review of natural treatments for anxiety found that magnesium could be a treatment for anxiety. And more recently, a 2017 review looked at 18 different studies that found that magnesium did in fact reduce anxiety, making it the only nutrient that can reduce stress at a cellular level. Now, the tricky part about this is that finding magnesium deficiency is actually very difficult because it's hard to detect. And according to Dr. Joe Mercola, less than 1% of your body's magnesium lives in your blood, which makes it tough to identify via blood tests. You can find magnesium in food sources such as kefir, almonds, avocado, maybe bananas, spinach, but it's just not enough. So we use the best magnesium supplement we've ever found, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Unlike magnesium supplements that have one, two, maybe we, you know, we found one supplement that has four types of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has all seven forms of magnesium. And in case you didn't know, there are different types of magnesium, and each one play a critical role and have different functions in the body. Most quote-unquote healthy people only get one to two forms at best. But in Magnesium Breakthrough, you get all seven major forms of magnesium, and that's when the magic happens. Head over to bioptimizers.com or find the link in our podcast show notes and use code EMBODIED10 to get a little discount off the magnesium products available at Bioptimizers. It helps out the podcast, but most importantly, it helps your body thrive. Now, back to the show. I think we also have to uh, be able to individualize a lot of things for ourselves because like I'm a high performer. I've always been a high performer. I've always been rewarded for being a high performer. But I learned last year that I have a highly sensitive vagus nerve to the point where I like like I have it kind of like my dad does. He passed out in the shower trying to do a, a cold shower. I have the exact same situation where a lot of the times my blood flow will get restricted and I, I can't. For example, I'm not a person who can use marijuana because it stimulates so quickly I pass out so it's like some of us also have to learn and look within ourselves and go okay what can I actually what am I truly capable of right now maybe I can work myself up to something but although in this hustle porn culture you know we're told to keep pushing keep pushing do all these things if you're not you're a loser um, we actually do have to individualize it for ourselves in the moment too and I did that for it was like two months last summer I crashed I took, I had to basically take two months off, lean on this girl to basically help me throughout this process. And now, I guess a year and a half later, I've never felt better, but it took some serious time to chill out and do nothing and feel like a loser. I wish I'd talked to you about that, that feeling before, um, because it's true. You, you really do have to go through that. But once you do, oh, you're effective after and you're smarter about your process. And I think the 
some, some people need to go through really feeling that to be able to recognize the signs in their body of like, oh, this actually didn't happen all of a sudden. This has been happening. And, and here are the ways that I can look at, you know, monitoring so that I know when to pull back. So things like digestive issues are really common for people. Like they start to get stressed or like skin. I know a lot of clients, they break out when they're under a lot of stress. And they're things that a lot of people just think of as like, I randomly have this issue. I Mm -hmm. randomly have that issue. But when, you know what I teach my clients a lot is looking for patterns in your body. It's like, oh, is it random? Because when we start to actually note what we're doing, it's probably not that random. And so sometimes for some people, it does take that state of like total burnout to backtrack and be like, oh, this has really been happening. And here are the ways that my body started to display that, you know, I was in this catabolic breaking down state. And so that when they start to come up, we can become more aware of them and like use that as like, hey, I should probably scale back a little bit right now. Yeah. And, and I think too, it's, um, when we start to build that awareness, as we go, we learn what those triggers are. And one of the most important things, I think, you know, the reason that our programs are based on education, embodiment, and reflection is because first the education has to be there. There's a lot of people who don't know that stress can influence their digestion or stress can affect your periods. And if you don't know that that connection exists, then you actually start to really worry. You think you have, you know, all of these different problems popping up and yes, we need to address all of them, but we really need to address what is the root cause um, because typically it's one or a couple of things that are creating this systemic effect in the body. So first we have to understand what is happening and why, and then it becomes this practice of embodiment of how do we actually take what we're learning up here, you know, cause we listen to the podcast, we read the books, we take the courses, but like, if we don't actually take the knowledge and bring it into our bodies and our daily practice, we're not ending up with much that we can actually work with when we, when we actually need it. Mm-hmm. So I know that both Rachel and Sarah, you have histories with traditional Chinese medicine and in, in your schooling. How does manual therapy techniques such as acupuncture play into nervous system regulation? Yeah, so, I mean, acupuncture can help in a variety of ways. So, um, you know, I I will joke with my clients um, that you're literally pinned down to a table. So you are, you know, you have this time where the invitation is certainly there to come into rest, like that is being carved out. So that's, you know, just one very practical way that manual therapy supports is carving out that time for you. Um, With acupuncture, the way that we diagnose in traditional Chinese medicine is by looking at what we call pattern differentiation. So it's looking at the different symptoms and how they're coming up for people um, and creating a pattern within that and then attributing that to a diagnosis within traditional Chinese medicine. So the verbiage in TCM is, you know, sometimes different than what, (laughs) how we would maybe label it in, um, in Western medicine. Uh, But I, it's really taking that same idea of looking at symptoms, putting it into a pattern and then providing a treatment. Um, What I really appreciate about TCM um, is this idea of root branch treatment. And so, you know, I spoke to that a little bit a minute ago about 
there's, there's always a root cause um, to whatever we're experiencing. It can be a few things. It can be external. It can be internal. It's often a combination of the two. Um, and we have to, of course, treat that root cause in order to see a difference. And we also want to always provide people with that more immediate impact by treating the branches or the manifestation of that root. Um, and so what acupuncture is doing is actually helping to get to both ends of that by supporting that underlying root cause, um, which is that sort of foundation or longer term change in the body, um, but also providing that more immediate relief. And that's done through uh, hands-on therapy through acupuncture. Um, and what that's doing is helping to release endorphins. It's activating the parasympathetic nervous system. So it helps to bring people into greater regulation. Mm -hmm. One thing I really love about TCM too, is there's no such thing as like treating a common cold. It always asks the person of who has the cold and why did the person get the cold, right? So when a client or patient walks in, you cannot simply just be like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm going to do these points for, you know, cold or these points for period pain. It really does look at like, where is this person's body out of function and why is this person versus somebody else experiencing these issues? And that was a huge, huge influence in the way that I practice, you know, some of the more like Western lab testing stuff too, is like, you can't just treat person with low thyroid you have to always ask why does the person have low thyroid what are their patterns what is out of balance what needs to be coached up in function what needs to maybe be brought back down and it really looks at each specific person that you're caring for as an individual which is really quite beautiful and you know for a lot of people who have maybe been through the medical system they they can feel the difference when you're asking them questions and you're trying to find these patterns for them and they're like wow thank you so much like nobody's ever asked about that or uh, like you said i had no clue that these things were even related and so you're also helping them to become more autonomous in their healing journey because they're like oh, you're right. Like I do notice these go together. And so they're starting to learn about themselves too. And that's how like we as practitioners can really help guide people on this lifelong journey is not just because we tell them like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what you should do. It's because we're teaching them how to make these connections in their own body and how to understand how, you know, their unique manifestations. Because as we talked about, it looks so different for everyone. So from a client and a practitioner perspective, it's so beautiful to have like the difference in actually teaching people to find these root causes or helping guide them along that journey versus like, I'm going to give you a protocol and you should follow it and get the best results ever. So I could post it on social media and get more clients. <laughs> <laughs> I think you also bring out something interesting in that too, Clara, of that uh, relationship that happens between um, a practitioner that makes you feel safe and seen and heard and what that does to us on our nervous system. It's something called co-regulation and it's a big part of how we actually do come out of dysregulation is how we interact and relate with the people around us. So when we spend time with people that do make us feel safe and usually that is expressed through our facial uh, expressions, our gestures, the intonation of our voice, it we regulate off of each other. And so we can actually start to feel better in the moment by spending time with people that see us as whole beings, right? Mm -hmm. So how can somebody learn more about strategies that they can start to implement uh, to help heal their nervous system? 
Hmm. Well, I'm going to plug us for a second here, but we have a course coming up (laughs) starting October 24th. uh, We offer a course called Recalibrate, which is a six week Mm. nervous system restoration course. So this is um, a wonderful opportunity to really dive into this work and to learn, as Rachel said, these different components of the education, the embodiment and the reflection. And we do this um, uh, all of it is online and it is an opportunity to also be with other people that are on that path and on that journey together. So we have these moments for, as I said, co-regulation and being in dialogue as well as um, personal connection between Rachel and I. Uh, I, This course has been humbling to teach um, on so many levels. We've taught it several times now and we, we had no idea just how profound it was going to be for the students that participated the life changes that they would feel and see um, so immediately as they started to learn this information. So um, that would be an amazing place to start if you really wanted to get into uh, learning deeper about your nervous system. And I think that Rachel said this earlier too, is, you know, a lot of people listen to the information, but they struggle with implementation, which is true not only for this, but for lots of stuff. There's no shortage of free information people are getting out there, but it's really like, carving out the time or investing money into like this is a priority to me and I'm going to put forth the effort to do it and then having somebody or a group of people to like guide and support you along the journey is really a huge benefit which is you know huge benefit of working with someone even like a nutritionist most of the time clients come to me they're like I know exactly what I should be doing but I struggle to do it right? We hear all this information, but there's a disconnect in in implementing it, especially I'm assuming people who come into your course, probably very overwhelmed already. Can't even imagine making changes to get to where they want to be. So it's beautiful to, you know, invest in that and invest in having someone to guide you and to take this information. And I'm sure everybody's going to learn something new, Um, get the information and actually have a strategic way to kind of move through that and to implement it into your life and to be held and supported and to really see those changes. So highly recommend if you're listening Mm -hmm. to this. And I think as Den and you said earlier, that individualization is so important. And that's something that even in the group nature of this course, there is that opportunity for individual connection um, for each participant with um, Meg and myself. And, you know, we recognize that there's different paths that people have taken to get to this point. Um, And there is this um, connection between everyone. There is some level of dysregulation which has brought people here. How that's manifesting may be different. And so that additional support based on your individual needs is really taken into account too. Because the Instagram post that tells you what to do when you're super stressed it's very general and it's probably what worked for that one practitioner um, or that one person versus, you know, if you're experiencing this, this is actually the modification that needs to be done. Or if you're experiencing this, it's actually something quite different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not always about slowing down for some people. It's, it's the opposite. And so knowing that, knowing when, mm-hmm. when to make those choices. So how could people find you? Let's say they want to learn more. They're like, I am ready to regulate my nervous system. And I love these two, just like Sarah and Denon love them. And we want to learn more. So where can people find you? You can find us on our website, radianteffect.ca. That's the quickest spot to get to us. We're also on Instagram at radianteffect.ca. Those are the best ways to find us, I think. (laughs) Everything will be linked in the podcast notes below. Well, 
Rachel, Meg, I feel like we just scratched the surface of everything that we could possibly dive into. So I'm thinking we're going to need a round two and three and four in the future. Um, so I'm very excited to discuss all of these things more because there are so many specific topics and issues and challenges that people are facing that we can dive into. And um, we're also going to uh, sneakily use those for our own as well again in the future. So thank you so <laughs> much for coming on, Sarah. Is there anything, anything else you'd like to say? I think that's all. Thanks for joining us, Wellness Gang. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any link materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution.